This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. We're back with Craig Hoffman. He is the host of our sister podcast in D.C., the Take Command podcast. You can also hear him on the Team 980 weekdays, the Hoffman Show. As we continue our conversation previewing Browns Commanders Sunday in our nation's capital. I want to talk about Ron Rivera here. Um, One of the things that I think has been missing with the Browns has been leadership and leadership, even at the head coaching level with Kevin Stefanski, as much as I respect Kevin's uh, football acumen. um, I think he's fantastic with the offense. There's no issues there, but there's a leadership void with this team, all this talent that the Browns have. I think if you put these two teams side by side, I, and just looked at them on paper, I think you give the advantage to the Browns, but it's the commanders who play better as a team. And I think Ron Rivera is a big part of that. And there's just been obviously so much ancillary stuff that has happened. And and believe me, the Browns are the kings of the ancillary stuff as well. But I think the commanders have really taken it to another level. Yeah, we got a congressional investigation. What's up? Right, yeah, when, when when Congress is getting involved, at least we haven't had that here in Cleveland, a congressional investigation. But just how, what is it about Ron Rivera from a leadership standpoint? Because I think from a player perspective, if you see all this stuff going on, it'd be so easy mentally to check the hell out and get wrapped up in all the, the nonsense, if you will. What is it about Ron Rivera's, whether it's leadership style, personality, whatever, how has he been able to really steady such a rocky ship and have this team a win or two away from the postseason? Um, I think it's I think it's a consistency of message. Um, and I'll say this about Ron. Um, I think Ron's an A to B coach. I think Ron is a guy who takes over a, a, a program, if you will, that's in distress and can write the ship and, and will consistently get you exactly where they are. Like, he, he's there. Is he the guy that gets you from here to a championship? 
I don't think so. Um, but that's that's a different conversation for like the Washington side of things. But I think that guy at times, which by the way is very frustrating, right? Because you're like, oh well, good job. Now like, what? Where do we go from here? And it's like nowhere. Well, ah. But I think it's really important, and certainly fans in Cleveland can appreciate this out uh, better than basically anyone outside of Washington and the parts of New York that root for the Jets of like how important it is to have some kind of stability within your organization. And I think to the point, like the Jets might have this with a guy in Robert Sala who's much younger and not as developed in, in the league, but like you see what kind of the leadership is, is happening there in New York. Their number two overall pick quarterback is a dumpster fire in a New York media storm, and they're on the verge of the playoffs. So like leadership really matters in that way and a consistency of message and a, and a and that ultimately leads to players believing. And Ron has this saying that drives a lot of us in the media nuts, but I think it actually works, uh, which is what's interesting and what's important. And I don't like all the ways he uses it because I think sometimes he will put non-football stuff in the interesting, not important category. And it's like when you're talking about sexual harassment, that's really important. Like yes, th- yes, yeah. those kinds of things are on a societal level important. But what he means, and I will give him this credit that he's not being obtuse, he's just being kind of, I would say, lazy with the terminology, is like his job is to win football games and all that stuff is floating around there, but it's not important to winning the football games. It literally does not matter to win the football games. And so he uses that framing often to be like, oh, well, this storyline about Carson Wentz or this storyline about Dan Snyder or this storyline about whatever is interesting. And like, I don't mind you media folks talking about it. But I'm going to tell you, for me, that's not important. And I'm going to tell the players it's not important. And we're going to focus on the important things that's going to win football games. And that is something that I think resonates with guys who, I mean, you've covered the NFL a long time. Uh, 52 guys in a locker room or, or whatever the number is now with the extended practice squads. And it seems like there's, I saw a number today, like the Titans have used like 84 guys this year. So whatever numbers in, in the locker room. 53 and 16. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, of course, you still know that. I, I gave that up, the beat reporting up, and I'm like, yeah, somebody tell me who's playing on Sunday. Um, but, you know, you have uh, groups of guys that do care. Like, a lot of people say, oh, football players only care about this. And it's like, no, if it, once you get 53 plus 16, you're talking about a wide variety of, of human beings who have a wide variety of moral compasses and values and all those kinds of things. And the, the trick is to not tell person A, you're right. as a coach, the trick is not to be like, person A is right, person B is wrong. Let me apply my moral compass to all of you. My job as a coach, if I'm Ron Rivera, is to focus all of you on the singular task that we are being paid to do. And that doesn't mean that you can't care about the other stuff. It just means we don't need to worry about it collectively. And I do think that that framing and the fact that like, look, the NFL is a ruthless business. And so at the end of the day, like these guys have to kind of care about that because otherwise they won't have jobs for very long. Um, that, that helps keep them focused. I also do think this is a talented roster, by the way. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a a thing we can get into if you want of like who actually has more talent, the Browns or the commanders. But like, I do think there's a lot of unheralded names in Washington that also helps a lot of them, by the way, were here before he got here. Um, you're, you're Terry McLaurin's, uh, being chief among them. Obviously someone Ohio state fans are familiar with. Um, but like they've got a lot of talent too. And, and I think the focus and the talent come together. Uh, you subtract quarterback fiasco, and that's how you wind up around 500. It, it is pretty amazing to, to watch that from afar. Again, just because as someone who covers a team that always seems to make more news off the field in the offseason rather than in the season when it comes to 
to winning games. I, it, it's impressive to watch. I mean, it, because there's just so so many opportunities where, you know, I've been waiting for the commanders just to like go completely nuclear off the rails. Right. And, and by the way, they were two and four. Right. And, and, and Daryl, I'll even tell you this, right? Just for, for context, um, they were one and four the day the ESPN Snyder story dropped. The bot, like the story, right? right. My show that day, uh, we start at three o'clock. I think at 5.15, I did my first football segment. Okay. We're on wow. three to six. Okay. I did two plus hours of Dan Snyder, what the hell, on a game day. Because that's how big that story was. They won that night to go to two and four. And then next thing we know, they're in the playoff race eight weeks later. Like they're in right now. If the, play, if the season ended today, they're in. That's how focused this team has been through that. And how close they were to the brink. Because they're one in four. The biggest story probably outside of Watson of the year drops on them. And that's when they went on their run. Imagine if they lose that game in Chicago and it goes the other way. Like, that's how close it was. And Rivera, th there's all kinds of nits to pick with him as, as a football coach, decision-making, whatever. I think his staff is really poor. But as a motivator, as a focuser and leader of men, um, he's, he's pretty damn good. It, it is impressive. All right, what, last one for you before I get your prediction. Uh, let, let The elephant in the room, Dan Snyder. Do you believe he is going to sell the team? And um, who's hedging the bets as far as who the new owner is going to be? Who do you think it'll ultimately uh, pony up there? I'm guessing we're talking four, maybe five billion with a B. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. This is going to be seven or eight, which is why he's wow. going to sell. Really? Um, there was a report, a couple of reports last week as the bids were coming in. Bids were due on the 23rd. And that uh, there was a report initially from Forbes, and I do believe uh, my colleague with 106.7 The Fan and NBC Sports Washington, JB, uh, JP Finley, had some additional reporting as well, that this thing's going to get over $7 billion, which is why he's going to sell. Um, we, we are very lucky in D.C. to have the great David Aldridge uh, in our town writing for The Athletic, uh, the, the Hall of Famer that most folks know from his days at TNT. Yep. And our, David was on my show a couple weeks ago, and he goes, when the Balmer sale happened with the Clippers, Balmer was offering a billion dollars. And it wasn't moving fast enough. And he goes, screw this. I'll offer you two. And at that point, the deal got done basically the next day. And while they, that's not going to happen because it's not going to get finalized till the owner's meetings, there is no way in hell they are not getting – they can get $8 billion for a team, and that means the rest of their – they being the owners, right? $8 billion for a team. The rest of their team values are now based off of that. And yep. they get to get rid of Dan Snyder. There is no way he's not selling. Um, whether the, I think the biggest question remaining is whether or not the Mary Jo White report comes out, which could have a lot of sordid details on why he's being forced to sell. Um, a lot of them have already out there in Congress, et cetera. And, and the reporting, it's not going to be a lot of new information. It's just going to be stuff that was reported on by the NFL. And that's the one that the rest of the owners are waiting for. So are they going to have to kick him out or is he going to go? I tend to think if he can get, you know, 7 billion, he's going to go. And I think this thing could get closer to eight. Uh, and part of the reason why is I think Jeff Bezos is legitimately in this and he is one of the richest men on the planet. And if he decides that he wants to buy the team and won't be outbid for it, he's got more money to, to go. Um, there's a couple of other folks, Josh Harris, uh, for instance, uh, who's the owner of the Sixers, or uh, one of the owners of the Sixers is another name that's been bantied about a lot. Um, Matt Ishbia, who just bought the Suns, was uh, in the mix for it, but he's probably out because he bought the Suns. 
Um, but I think Bezos is is easily the leader. He owns the Washington Post, for those that don't know. Um, so he's got some DC ties. And, they and Amazon. <laughs> yeah, well, right, right. But in terms of DC, I was going to say Amazon as well. They actually just, uh, about a year ago, uh, I think opened a pretty big facility here in DC. So he's got some DC ties through Amazon, through the Post. And, uh, you know, he's also got hundred billion or whatever he's got dollars. So, you know, if he wants to, that'd be so cool. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll spend 10 billion. I still got 90. What, what do you want me to do? It's a cash sale. Like that's, what's amazing about it. Like he could literally just pay in cash, no banks involved, right. no financing, not, which, like, which is important. Right? So not to get too much of the details here, but like there's a certain percentage that has to be liquid, which knocks out a bunch of buyers, right? Like it's one right. thing to be able to leverage 5 billion, 6 billion, $7 billion against your assets in a bank. Bezos not only has the required portion, he's got the whole thing liquid if he really wanted to, but this is actually not going to be a seven or $8 billion purchase. This is really like a 10 to $12 billion purchase because whoever's new is going to have to buy or build a new stadium. And I don't know that anybody's going to give a whole lot of public money for that stadium. I think the, that people will want it between DC, Maryland, and Virginia, uh, who are all going to battle for it, uh, especially if it's, if it's not Dan, but I think it's going to be mostly financed by the new, the new rich guy that owns it and they really need an upgrade on their practice facility. So there's a lot of money to be spent outside of buying the team itself. Well, I've always said that if Dan Snyder does sell that franchise, and I mean this with all due respect, it was going to have nothing to do with what transpired with that organization. And that's a shame. Oh, yeah. It was good. It was going to be straight money. And the fact that he was unable to get public money through three different Maryland, Virginia, and DC all want nothing to do with the guy and will not participate in a stadium. And as you know, nobody loves their corporate welfare more than the NFL and, and stadiums. And the fact that that hasn't, I, I honestly believe like that's the root cause of all this is that the stuff that happened with that organization or allegedly happened within that organization has affected the business, and therefore that's why Dan has to go. Not because right. of anything that did transpire. And I think people kind of need to understand that this is a straight business decision. Like, if this team ultimately gets sold, it'll be under the guise of, well, bad stuff happened within the organization. That was the frosty on the kick. No, it comes down to the inability to get that public money down there for a brand new stadium. I think that's true for a lot of owners. Um, I do think there's some, some specific allegations against Snyder that if they were confirmed to the Mary Joe White report, that would be an excuse to get him out. But if this dude was printing money, I don't think that they would be as willing to push him out. Um, he also doesn't feel shame, um, which is kind of an important thing here. Cause that, and I mentioned that not to like, poke fun at the guy, although right. by all means, um, but like Jerry Richardson left on his own accord. Cause he's like, I feel shame for what happened. Right. I should go. Like I will hang my head and walk out the door with my many billions of dollars. Um, and Dan was never going to do that. Um, so that's, that's another important part of this. Um, do I think there's some owners with some level of moral compass? Sure. Um, I think there's probably more who are like, please don't look at me. Yes. A hundred percent. And uh, as we've had this great conversation, I think they took out another 12 seating sections of FedEx field to reduce <laughs> the capacity for the 100th time. I remember that building open. It was like state of the yard is 80,000. The place was back 90 and at 90. I'm sorry. I shorted yeah. it 10 grand. And now it's, it's, I think it's 52 it, now or something like that. Yeah. Like there's like three sections of the upper deck still standing. The rest of it's the Rakers. Craig Hoffman. He is the host of the uh, the Take Command podcast in D.C. That is our sister podcast. 
You can catch him uh, weekdays, the Hoffman Show on the team, 980. Great stuff, Craig. Before I let you out of here, give me a prediction for uh, Sunday. I'll go Commanders 2117. Uh I, I think it's gotta gonna play out. The Commanders have played oddly like on their level consistently the whole year. They've lost to teams that uh, are better than them. They got stomped by the 49ers, for instance. Uh they've beat the teams that they're better than, and I, I I do think that they're better than this version of the Browns at this point in their season. Craig, appreciate the time. Good luck uh the, the rest of the way. Thanks, Daryl. Always good to talk to you, friend. It's always game day in Cleveland.